Hello, lovely listener. I'm your host, Lindsay, and you're listening to Two Cents Podcast, your Audible anthology. As this is a series, we shall be analysing another section of Walt Whitman's Song of Myself, as recited by Guy Melinda. Without further ado, cue the intro. Section 13 The Negro holds firmly the reins of his four horses. The block swags underneath on its tied-over chain. The Negro that drives the long dray of the stone yard. Steady and tall, he stands poised on one leg on the string piece. His blue shirt exposes his ample neck and breast and loosens over his hip band. His glance is calm and commanding. He tosses the slouch of his hat away from his forehead. The sun falls on his crispy hair and moustache, falls on the black of his polished and perfect limbs. I behold the picturesque giant and love him, and I do not stop there. I go with the team also. In me the caresser of life, wherever moving, backward as well as forward slewing, to niches aside and junior bending, not a person or object missing, absorbing all to myself and for this song. Oxen that rattle the yoke and chain or halt in the leafy shade, what is that you express in your eyes? It seems to me more than all the print I have read in my life. My tread scares the wood drake and wood duck on my distant and day-long ramble. They rise together and slowly circle around. I believe in those winged purposes and acknowledge red, yellow, white playing within me and consider green and violet and the tufted crown intentional and do not call the tortoise unworthy because she is not something else. And the jay in the woods never studied the gamut, yet trills pretty well to me. And the look of the bay mare shames silliness out of me. In section 13, Whitman narrates the activity of a man driving a dray, which is a shallow cart pulled by horses. These were used to transport items over short distances. In this case, stones are being transported. Notably, the driver is a black man. However, he is not a slave. He observes the man as he holds firmly the reins of his four horses. The block swags underneath on his tied over chain. The drayman drives the long dray of the stone yard. Steady and tall, he stands poised on one leg on the string piece. This image of the drayman illustrates his confidence and even charisma as he stands steady, tall and poised on one leg on the string piece. Whitman observes the drayman's dress, his blue shirt exposing his ample neck and breast and loosens over his hip band. Interestingly, the manner in which the drayman is described to wear his shirt is similar to the way that Whitman wears his on the original cover of Leaves of Grass. Here Whitman creates a subliminal connection between him and the black drayman. He continues, quote, His glance is calm and commanding. He tosses the slouch of his hat away from his forehead. The sun falls on his crispy hair and moustache falls on the black of his polished and perfect limbs. 
I behold the picturesque giant and love him, and I do not stop there. I go with the team also. Whitman looks on with admiration, with love, I would say appreciating the drayman's humanity. However, the speaker calling the drayman a picturesque giant adds this layer of otherworldliness. Or, this could be his way of denoting a difference between them. After all, this was 1850s America, close enough to the Civil War, a time where race science held water, prejudicial water at that. And so Whitman beholds the picturesque giant, the Negro who is calm and commanding, who dresses as he does, whose limbs are polished and perfect, and loves him. He sees him as his equal, which I reckon was a controversial stance for his time. But this coincides with what Song of Myself is all about, a celebration of humanity where everyone is celebrated and loved the same. We see in this section Whitman's love extends not only to humans, but to animals as well. After beholding and loving the drayman, Whitman says, and I do not stop there, I go with the team also. The team referring to the four horses pulling the dray, and we'll see in a bit that the dray is headed for the wilderness. The speaker says, quote, In me, the caresser of life, wherever moving, backward as well as forward slewing, to niches aside, and junior bending, not a person or object missing, absorbing all to myself and for this song, oxen that rattle the yoke and chain or halt in the leafy shade. What is it that you express in your eyes? It seems to me more than all the print I have read in my life. I'm particularly taken by the caresser of life. The speaker seems to be possessed or indwelt by the caresser of life, adding a spiritual aspect to this experience. He then describes all that he sees from an all-seeing point of view, wherever moving, backward as well as forward slewing, Tanisha's aside and junior bending, not a person or object missing, absorbing all to myself and for this song. Whitman takes everything in as it is, not feeling a need to intervene in nature's course. He takes everything in for himself and for this song, this celebration. Next he observes oxen that rattle the yoke and chain or halt in the leafy shade. It appears that he asks the oxen, rhetorically, What is it that you express in your eyes? And the next line follows with a response. It seems to me more than all the print I have read in my life. Here Whitman dismantles the hierarchy that places human beings as superior to animals, the thought that deems us completely separate from them. As the oxen go about monotonously. Whitman reads deeper into the scene by analysing their eyes. The eyes are what we human beings figuratively refer to as windows to the soul. I could be wrong, but from what I've seen, monotheistic religions hardly express that animals have souls and usually purport the idea of human beings being separate from animals. It's usually pantheistic or polytheistic religions that attribute souls to animals as well as humans. By reading into the expression in the oxen's eyes, 
Whitman lets go of the idea that animals are soulless, and he further attributes superiority to animals by deciphering the oxen's expression as more than all the print he has read in his life. All the print, touted and issued by the creeds and schools to harken back to an earlier section. All that print from institutions declared by human beings doesn't amount to the expression in the oxen's eyes. Maybe Whitman is trying to express that human beings don't actually know it all, and we aren't as superior as we think. He continues, quote, My tread scares the wood drake and wood duck on my distant and day-long ramble. They rise together, they slowly circle around. I believe in those winged purposes. The speaker has just scared off drakes and ducks. They then take off and circle up above. Whitman then remarks, I believe in those winged purposes. Almost in a confessional way, an analysis I read compared this confessional way of expression to elements in the Nicene Creed. Although the personal pronouns in the profession are we, as in, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, and so on, Whitman says, I believe in those winged purposes, a declaration of his individual personal confession in the winged purposes, a belief which also acknowledges the red yellow, white, and considers green and violet and the tufted crown intentional, which I think refers to colours in nature and the colours of the drakes, ducks and the animals he notes in lines to follow. In the ending lines, Whitman makes three interesting points that shine light on human nature and how self-involved we can be. In the first line he says, quote, and do not call the tortoise unworthy, because she is not something else. As we know, tortoises are slow-moving reptiles. However, Whitman refrains from looking at that aspect as a flaw. The tortoise isn't unworthy, because it is slow. It doesn't need the speed of a predator, because it is an herbivore. So the tortoise is as it should be. Secondly, he says, and the jay in the woods never studied the gamut, yet trills pretty well to me. The jay in the wilderness never studied the gamut, which is a complete scale of musical notes, yet trills skillfully. We have these shows of intellect as human beings, producing gamuts and all, while forgetting that animals possess these raw skills that we pine for. So who's superior now? And thirdly, he says, And the look of the bay mare shames silliness out of me. Just a look from a mare shames the silliness of thinking that we are superior out of Whitman, an experience similar to the revelation he got from the expression in the oxen's eyes. And so Whitman not only celebrates all people, but elevates the status of animals, demonstrating that there is something we can learn from them and that they too partake in this celebration and sing songs of themselves as well. Thank you for listening to this segment. I appreciate you giving your time. If this is your first listen, I hope this was impressionable enough for you to join me again for another episode. If you're returning, your loyalty is unmatched and received with much gratitude. 
As always, my email is open for any further discussion on a topic, episode suggestions, and even submissions. Till next time.